So my name is Jessica. Cassidy took my whole introduction, so now I'm like, what do I do up here for the next 30 seconds? I have no idea. Um, but I am, I'm a pastor with Chi Alpha at Wenatchee Valley College, and so I brought my crew. They're back there. Yeah. Um, I also, I'm not supposed to tell you that my parents are here, so I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but the people in that section that look like maybe they're not students, maybe they aren't. Okay, just go with that. Okay, sorry. Hey. Um, so that also means I have to be on my best behavior. So this is like, you guys are really getting something special. Okay. So if, I think that you guys have people who pass out Bibles. So if that's you and you are going to pass out a Bible, go do that. But if you're here and you need a Bible, could you raise your hand? It's a free Bible. Okay. Well, okay. I feel like you probably already have one, but that's fine. So if you don't have a Bible, they're going to pass you one, and then you get to keep it. It's like our gift to you. Awesome. While that's happening, I'm going to tell you a story that has nothing to do with Romans, but it tells you a little bit about who I am. And I know if I'm going to listen to someone talk for like 20 minutes, I kind of want like a little bit of insight about who they are. Is that fair? Are we on the same page? Judah says no, but I'm going to keep going. That's fine. Just don't listen. So one thing that I'm often uh, not like made fun of for by students in Wenatchee, but like maybe noted for is that I just have a lot of facial expressions that just happen, okay? Michael also makes fun of me for this a little bit. Um, and so I have these giant eyes that will just like get bigger when I'm talking. But when I was a kid, I also had this same size of eye just in a tinier face. So imagine, it's like a little bit terrifying. Cute, we call it, cute, right? So when I was like three or four, I'm at home, I'm with my mom, we're the only ones there. She's not here, but if she were, I would gesture to that part of the audience. So we're at home, we have like this pretty small house, my dad's at work, my brother hasn't been born yet, so obviously he's not there. And uh, I just walk into the room where she is and I'm just standing there with these eyes, like just staring. And all I say is, there's a man with a knife. So imagine how terrifying of a situation that puts you in, right, as a mom, of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, my husband's at work. Like, we're alone in this tiny house. Where is he? So she just follows me out into the rest of the house, and there's no one there. And so now she's like, awesome, he's hiding. Like, this is a really good deal. And this is before cell phone service. I know I'm, like, so old, but imagine the time. Okay. So I just keep saying, like, there's a man with a knife. And so finally, I point, and I point at the kitchen counter. And on the kitchen counter, there's this, like, tiny Happy Meal toy that's just a piece of bread with a knife that butters itself. <laughs> yeah, really cool. So I think really all that tells you about me is that I'm just really dramatic, and I make a lot of faces, and I like to freak people out, all of which is, like, still kind of true. So now you know, okay? You feel good? You feel like you know me on a more personal level? So this quarter, you guys know what you've been talking about? Yeah, Romans. Also, you could have just read the screen. Guys, it's right there. I just gave it to you. So you've been going through the book of Romans, and it is an incredible book. Like when I found out that you were going through it, I was like, yes, absolutely, I will speak. I mean, I would have said yes anyways, but I was like more excited. No. And so the guy who wrote it, Paul, is just super good at breaking things down and telling you exactly how it is, right? Like, he'll just give it to you straight, which I really appreciate. And so the more that you are learning about Romans, the more I hope that you're going home and reading it on your own. That is a concept, I know. 
But this is crazy, but these services, like these Tuesday nights, are really just supposed to be starting points. So like, it is your high alpha stacks and your core leaders' dreams that you would take what you learned here and apply it, but also like keep asking questions. Did you guys know that? Good, good, okay, good. I'm telling you nothing new, that's awesome. Okay, so I know also Michael told you this a few weeks ago, but this book, or this letter to the Romans, is totally a love story, okay? So it is a story about a God who is always going and bringing back his people to him. He's always going and bringing us back to himself. That's awesome. And so that is the story of the whole Bible, as it turns out. That is a story that is still very much ongoing, okay? So we find ourselves in that story even now, right? Yeah. And so this God, who is constantly setting the Roman people free, did you guys know that the book of Romans is written to the Romans? They were really clever in book naming, I know. So that same God who did that then is doing the same thing for us today. Really cool, right? Yeah. But sometimes we don't even know that we're in trouble, right? Like we don't even know that we need someone to come and get us. And so what Paul does over and over again in this letter is he tells the Romans what their heart issues are, and then he gives them hope of a restoration that only comes from God, okay? And so if you want to write down a title for this message, you can write down, are you ready? The War Within. That's very dramatic, right? It's exciting, yeah. I think they titled it that so you would keep listening. So that's what we're going to talk about. But I'm going to pray first because I feel like that's really important. So we're going to pray. God, thank you so much that um, I have the opportunity to be here. Really that all of us have the opportunity to be here tonight. Um, and God, we really invite you into this space. Um, we know that you're already here. And so really that invitation is totally for us to remind us that you are very much um, present with us. And so God, we just ask um, that these words would very much be yours, that you would um, let the things that you think are important sink down into our hearts and in our minds, um, that they wouldn't stay here, but that they would go with us. And so God, help us to be attentive and help us to be focused. I'm praying that for myself too. Um, we just love you so much and are super thankful um, that we get to serve you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So you shall have a Bible. So if you could turn to Romans chapter 7, that would be awesome. And we are going to read the whole chapter eventually, but I'm going to break it down a little bit into three different sections. And so I'm just going to read the first six verses to start us off. So Romans 7, 1 through 6. Here you guys getting there. Good job. So this is what Paul writes says, do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now... 
By dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Whew. So that is already kind of a lot to unpack, yeah? And so part of what Paul is doing here is he's kicking this section off, this chapter off, um, by comparing different kinds of death. So he's talking about death. So in the first scenario, the woman in question isn't bound to her husband anymore because he died, right? So she's not bound to him. In the second scenario, Paul is saying that when we choose to follow Jesus, when we chose to follow Jesus, we also died. But it wasn't a physical death, right? We're all still very much alive in this room, yeah? Oh, good, you're nodding. Okay, whew. So if you were here last week, you know that Cassidy talked about this. She talked about this fact that we died to sin and we left all of that behind. And so here we read that we also died to the law, okay? Are you with me? Awesome. I make my students respond all the time so I know they're awake, so that's probably what I'll continue to do to you. Okay. So what Paul also does here is he gives us insight into the first of two wars within us that he's going to address. So this first one is very much a war between our old life or our pre-Jesus life. And that is a life characterized by things that bind us and produce nothing but fruit for death. And our new life or our with-Jesus life, a life that shows us how to serve in the new way of the spirit, and it gives us a place of belonging in the body of Christ. So sweet, right? And so if you are following Jesus, this is actually a war that's already been won, okay? You've already died to the law. And so Paul is giving a friendly reminder of that fact to the Romans, that they need to stop living their old lives. So what he is not saying, this is very important, what he's not saying is that they and we can do whatever we want now, okay? He's not saying that. And I have a small confession to make, and that is that sometimes, like in the case of parking on our campus, I feel like I am above certain laws, okay? And so this results in things like me getting 10 parking tickets last year. Okay, I know. I've never told Michael that, so now I'm like, will I keep my job? I'm not sure. Um, so please, <laughs> he's just shaking his head. Well, it's been, it's been real, everyone. Um, so please don't follow, <laughs> please don't follow my example. Like, it turns out that police actually don't care whether or not you've died to the law. Okay. That's not going to get you out of any tickets. And so Paul isn't saying that we're above laws. He's saying, hey, actually, you've been released from the law, okay? In my notes, that is in all caps, the law. It's very imposing, okay? So remember that a lot of the people that he's talking to are from a Jewish background. And so they would have heard this and known that he was talking about the law of Moses, okay? So not parking tickets, sorry, guys. And so the Jewish people listening to Paul would have thought that the law was lifting them out of the mess of the world that they saw around them, right? Like setting them apart. But it turns out that the law was actually doing the opposite, and it was keeping them in that mess. And these are themes that run all throughout this letter, right? So these themes of not being under the law anymore are ones that we found in chapters 5 and 6. And a lot of what we're talking about in terms of not being able to do whatever we want are just echoes of last week. But there is a crazy, deep-level transition that takes place through the gospel, that takes place through the person of Jesus, and it's super important that we get it right. So even though you've already heard some of these things, like, we need to hear it again. Like, we need to have it sink in even deeper. Because when we say yes to Jesus, like, actually say yes, we aren't any longer defined by the law. 
And we're not defined by whether or not we're able to keep every single rule perfectly. We're instead defined by Jesus himself and our relationship with him. Doesn't that sound so much better? Like so much more freeing? Yeah. So we're going to keep reading. So we're at verse, what verse are we at? Nice. Good, good. We're at verse 7. I'm going to read through 13. So Paul goes on to say, says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. So this is a super important clarification that Paul makes here. So we just learned that we died to the law, right? But now we learn that the law isn't in and of itself sinful. So at our Chi Alpha gatherings in Wenatchee, we've been talking about idols this quarter. And so a really quick definition of an idol is anything that absorbs our hearts and imagination more than God. So anything that we look to, to give us what only God can give. And so that is what's happening here. So the law was being given this place of honor that it wasn't meant to have. This is like when we forget that God wants a relationship with us, and we instead focus on how many things we can accomplish for him, or how perfectly we can follow rules like church attendance, or verse memorization, or hour-long God times every day, none of which are inherently bad. Okay, they're actually all really good, and you should, you know, do them. But if we let those things define the success of our relationship with Jesus, like we've missed the whole point of a relationship with Jesus. And it turns out, we find out here, that the law plays a strangely important role. Because without it, we wouldn't know what sin was. Which is like a little weird to think about. And it's a little bit weird to think about because, for, to some extent, like we've known about the law for generations and generations. And so to take that out of our minds and to think of a time where people didn't know what that was is like kind of beyond comprehension. But at the beginning, like how did anyone ever know right from wrong? So when God first showed up at Mount Sinai and gave the law to Moses, you can read about that in the book of Exodus, he was saying things like, don't commit adultery, and don't steal, and don't covet. And that whole list of rules did two things, okay? It told the people what they shouldn't be doing, but it also told them what they were capable of. Okay? And if you were to read in the Old Testament anywhere about this, if you want to fact check me, you could read Leviticus 18.5, or Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. If you're taking notes, you can write those down. If you were to read in the Old Testament anywhere about that, you would see that there was a promise that those who faithfully observed the law would receive life. And we see this also in Romans 6.10, this promise. 
But we know that that didn't happen, that instead the law brought death. And Paul's whole point here is that it wasn't the law's fault. It is totally as a result of sin. Okay, you guys still with me? Okay, so here is the second war that we read about in this chapter. So the first one was between our pre-Jesus life and our with-Jesus life. And this one is just another layer of that. And so this war, this battle, is between our with-Jesus life and sin. Okay, and sin is something to be taken super seriously. And this war with sin is one that we have to show up for and fight. Okay? Twice in this passage that we just read, Paul writes about sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment. He says that exact phrase two times. That tells us that we should pay attention. We should pay attention to all of it, but definitely pay attention to that. So what this also tells us is that sin is an active force that we have to actively battle. Evil is very real and powerful. And wouldn't it be so awesome if as soon as we said yes to Jesus, all of those issues that we had before just disappeared? Yeah. But we know that that's not what happens, right? And at times, it can feel like life has gotten a little bit harder since we made that decision, actually. And so the great news, maybe not, but the great news is that if that's how you're feeling, you're not alone, okay? Like, everybody pretty much in this room was like, yes, when I said that, okay? So we're going to finish the chapter and see what Paul has to say about that. Okay, so starting at verse 14, there are a million words in this section. So just pay attention. I'm going to read slow, but literally a million words. I practiced reading this section like 12 times. I was like, I'm going to get it wrong. So Paul says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And so this first part is a repeat of what we already know. We already know that there's a war going on within all of us. And some of us in this room are still fighting war number one. So we're still slaves to sin and fighting God on every front. But some of us have let him win that for us. And so we're in this second war. 
the one where we now know what we are capable of. So our eyes have been opened to the fact that we're in this sometimes almost constant battle against sin. Man, just read this passage again. What I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out, and so on. How many of you have felt that way? Yeah, me too. And this is in our with Jesus lives. It's like we know certain things, right? Like we know that we should be kind to the people around us. Yeah, I hope so. We should be kind to the people around us. We know that we should talk directly to people instead of behind their backs. We know that we shouldn't lie or gossip or cheat or break all sorts of commitments and promises. But how many of you know that that isn't as easy as it sounds? And I think that this is the underlying problem that Paul is getting at. I don't think that we hate sin enough. Like, I don't think that we take sin seriously enough. And I think that for many of us, we have just given in and decided that this war isn't one that we need or want or know how to keep fighting. So we feel this inner turmoil of not doing what we want, but doing what we don't want instead. And so some part of us just gives in and says, well, that's just how it's going to be. I'm tired of trying. And I often talk about how dramatic Paul is, because he's very dramatic, because he says things like, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? That's like a very dramatic statement. But when you think about it, that's the exact attitude that we should have about sin. Like, until we absolutely hate sin, we're not going to turn from it. Until we reach a point at which we recognize that we can't turn away from it on our own, we're not going to look to God to rescue us. And we're going to keep unsuccessfully fighting the second war on our own. And so here is the good news in all of this. Just as God fought that first war for us, he is in the second one too, fighting with us. Say that one more time. So just as God fought the first war for us, right, to get us to him, like we see him doing over and over, he is in the second one too, fighting with us. And right after Paul asks the question of who is going to rescue him from this body of death, he answers his own question, right? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so Jesus is the only one who is capable of rescuing us ever. We can't rescue ourselves. Our roommate's not going to rescue us. Our parents aren't going to rescue us. Jesus is the only one capable of rescuing us. But he can't rescue us if we don't admit that we need that rescuing, okay? If we don't admit that our sin struggle is a serious one, and one that we can't possibly fight on our own. And so I'm going to invite the worship team back up, and I want you to think about this question. I want you to ask yourself this question, because that will determine how you respond during this time. And so the question is, which war are you fighting? Because if right now you wouldn't consider yourself to be aligned with Jesus, if you haven't let him take over your heart and your mind and your whole life, I would love, I would love for you to consider taking that step. Like there is such a freedom available in Jesus, and it is available to you actually right now. Okay. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. 
I'll answer my own question. Yes, it is. You don't have to keep fighting that first war on your own. And so if that's you, like talk to someone around you, have them pray with you, have them pray for you. And if that's you, but you're like, I don't really know if I want to let him fight this war for me right now. That's okay too. Like you can keep asking questions, like keep searching. That's really important. And if you would say, hey, actually, I am a follower of Jesus. And the thing that I would like you to do during this time is pray and ask him how you should respond. So you could ask yourself, are you taking sin seriously? Are there things in your life that you need to be more actively fighting against? Is there a habit or a sin pattern in your life that you have let slide by that you need to turn away from and stop altogether? And I know that some of these questions you guys have been answering all quarter, but I really feel like the Lord is saying, Hey, there are still some of you in this room who hear this question every week and haven't answered it and are still very much holding on to these things, okay? And so I want you to, like, really ask him again and listen, okay? Because that same freedom that I just promised people fighting that first war is available for you too, okay? So I'm going to pray. God, thanks so much that you you fight uh, this war for us, that you fight this war with us. Lord, thanks so much for every single person in this room um, who has said yes to you, who is considering saying yes to you, um, who is super on the fence about saying yes to you. Um, God, would you meet them exactly um, in the place that they are? Um, And would you um, invite them to take one step further? Um, God, we're so thankful that you are um, really gentle with us, but also that you ask us to do hard things. So, yeah, I just pray that you would give us the the courage and the boldness to step out in that. Um, We're really thankful that we get to do this life with each other and with you. We pray this in your name. Amen.